make a trip beyond your backyard. Compare your way there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. What is going on, beautiful people? Welcome back. This is the Blue Experience. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are finally back and we're coming back with a banger. Obviously, we got the homie XP72. Say hello to the people. Wow, we're actually live. Yes, we're live. This is not recorded. This is not pre-recorded, guys. We're alive. Let me take a sip of the red stripe to prove it to you guys. <laughs> What's going on, Blue? It's been a few weeks. No, it's been about a month, man. We were on official hiatus. Now we're back, live in living color, and we're going to be doing it again. We have a whole bunch of guests lined up for you guys, and we figure we'll start off with a bang today. Yes, so Blue, yes. How's, Starting how's off for you, man? with the legend. And I say legend in the sense that... When I first started doing flight simming, I was watching this guy's tutorials <laughs> to teach me how to fly literally almost every plane. Um, so he's basically like my teacher, my mentor. He doesn't even know this, but uh, the legend Q8 pilot. Say what's up, man. Hey, guys, how's it going? Thank you for the worm introduction, Blue. Uh, I definitely didn't know that. XP, <laughs> hello, my friend. I am very uh, glad to be here. You know what it is, right? It's the voice, Blue. It's the voice. You know, you Blue stole my, my intro, by the way, because I was going to say, this is the man who got me into flight simming and got me through the dark days of not knowing what to do and doing a YouTube search and finding a, a guy named Q8. He's got a tutorial on everything. And I heard that <laughs> voice pop up. So Q8, thank you so much for being on the show. We absolutely appreciate you waking up so early in kuwait to do the show you guys have no idea how early it is in kuwait right now believe you me so thank you so much for being on the show absolutely appreciate it man how are you <clears throat> i'm doing very well it is my absolute pleasure to be here and uh really thank you guys for uh the warm introduction i really appreciate it i didn't know that i was uh you know i was providing you with all this help uh blue <laughs> and xp but uh very glad to hear that I think let's just take a second to kind of like and, and again you know i'm 
I'm not gonna fanboy you. I'm just saying, like seriously, like I, I I I'm thinking back to when I first started and when I was getting into X plane, when I was getting into flight sims and trying to learn how to fly certain aircraft, and you know, I'm one of 95% of people who don't like to read the manuals, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, you and a, lot, you know, a few other creators were out there doing your, doing your thing, making tutorial videos, doing live streams, things like that. And I always knew that I could trust your reviews. I could always trust your tutorials because you got straight to the point. Uh, you were honest. You weren't biased. Um, and those are some of the, uh, the, the cues and kind of the inspiration I got from you for even my channel. And I know a lot of other people got that too. So the reason I want to kind of say this and kind of just really make this apparent is because I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way. I know that all the people who subscribe to your channel, uh, who follow you, who've watched your tutorials, whether they you know believe it or not, you know, you know, people, you know, people like you who are creators or on YouTube or Twitch or whatever, who are making content and, and tutorials on how to fly these planes, you are helping so much because I've been a noob at so many games. Like I tell people this all the time, like I'm a big simmer just in general. Like flight sim is not my only thing. I, you know, I may only stream that, but I play so many different sims. And so having a YouTuber, a creator or a person to show you how to do these things step by step is so important because it saves you so much headache. Uh, and so just thank you, man. Thank you. I'm most humbled. Oh, yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> we got to get into the questions right away. We have to grill you now. <laughs> find out. <laughs> we have to find out the history of Kuwait because, hmm. yeah, I just like Blue, I came on the scene maybe three, four years ago and of course, any flight simmer who really wants to do it, they go ahead and start looking people, you know, they were, as Blue says, we don't read the manual. We want to look up and see who's who's done it before. And here you are. And you had a bunch of tutorials out already. Uh, how long ago did you get started in flight simmer and what brought you to this this hobby per se? Yeah, how long have you been doing it? Uh, I've been doing it for quite some time. I think I started uh, the very first video I think I posted in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. So wow. just under seven years now. Wow. And uh, the reason I started doing it, and I think my very first video was, uh, was just an Airbus, Airsoft Airbus landing at uh, New Doha International in Qatar. And I was so proud of myself that I actually created this video and I posted it. And it was, you know, to date, I just smile when, when I look at that video. But I had immense um, passion for aviation. I've always liked the looks of an aircraft flying up in the air. And so from a very young age, I really loved looking at airplanes. And when the opportunity presented itself, uh, and I started, uh, you know, I left simming for qu quite a while. And when I came back to it, uh, you know, I felt that I have sufficient knowledge that I think I want to share with the community. And what better way to do this than to actually create videos on YouTube? And I think I've got hammered by a lot of people when I first started the, my very first few tutorials. I believe one was... Uh, in X-Plane 10, you were able to edit the maps and you could actually move the localizer from a, like a specialized window. Mm -hmm. And I remember just getting hammered by people because I did the tutorial on the localizer at Innsbruck. And at Innsbruck, the localizer is actually not aligned with the runway for a reason. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> 
and uh, and it was in real life it's actually tilted it's it's not exactly aligned with the runway and i showed the example there and i got hammered for it and it was it was a funny occasion that but then i did the uh i believe the x-plane 10 complete settings guide and that was probably the start of me doing tutorials and reviews um, on YouTube and really going for content creation as, I would say, a formal hobby. And right. that video, I got so many hits. I was actually traveling with the family right after we, I posted the video. And I said, yes, I think I am adding value. I think people are saying that they're learning something from the video, they've improved their experience in this sim, I'm going to continue, despite all the you know negative comments I got from the previous one. <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, so that was that was the start, really. That's what got me into into flight simulation. I've been um, a tutor back in college. Uh, so I used to teach mathematics. Uh, I, I love teaching people stuff, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, so uh, there is a passion for teaching. I've always wanted to be an instructor and there is also passion for aviation. So those combined, I think gave me the opportunity to become a content creator on YouTube to sum it all up. That's pretty wow. cool. So basically you had a, a rude intro into the community by editing an offset ILS to make it straight. <laughs> and <laughs> you immediately saw what flight simmers can be to each other. Oh my God. But, you know, um, I'm glad that you, you stuck with it and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to let this hurt me. I'm just going to keep going forward. And um, there's a couple of ones here I see that you had about basic VR navigation, but the first one I see here is what, six and a half years ago, was how to create custom wing views in X-Plane. You know that people still ask about that to this day? Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. But that one has a lot of hits on it. So you are right that the value that you brought to the community is, is something else. Was there any um, passion for flying yourself personally before you even started doing the tutorial stuff? Oh yeah, so I've uh, I've done some real world flying um, back in the U.S. Uh, when I was a college student. I've done a lot of flights actually. Uh, I, I, if I recall correctly, there was a Captain Lee. He was a, a retired military pilot for the uh, U.S. Air Force, hmm. and uh, he actually I used to fly with him a lot uh, out of out of Fresno. We used to go to. Uh, you know, fly around the area in, in California. And it was it was a lot of fun. And that's where I, I think it was my first experience flying in a real aircraft was with Captain Lee. Uh, and uh, it was just amazing being up in the air and being totally free of everything. Uh, and, and the sightseeing in California is very nice. Oh, I, yeah. I just love the mountainous terrain in the area. We used to fly over the uh, Yosemite National Park and that area and the San Joaquin Valley, which was really, really cool. Um, and then, of course, after I came back in Kuwait, unfortunately, we do not have um, aviation is not really open for anyone. You have to really be a certified uh, pilot uh, with with one of the airlines to be able to access an aircraft. So mm -hmm. it, it's not something that is accessible here. But Every time I would fly, I would uh, I would have a vacation with the family. Uh, we fly over to the UK. I would charter one of those, you know, small pipers 
and go for a flight. It's it's you know it's good fun and it's good to every once in a while have a feel for for the real thing. You know, just really battle the winds and you know just get a feel for a, for a real aircraft. Gives you a lot of perspective even back in the sim and uh, where you can tell the difference between you know flying the real thing and flying in the simulator. So definitely uh, some experience there with the, uh, you know, with real world flying. Wow. I actually want to ask you because I've, I've noticed in a lot of your videos, you've done flying in like the Pacific Northwest, California, a lot like in the sim. And I was like, what connection does he have with the States? Because I mean, you are a Kuwait pilot, right? Which I assume right. you're in Kuwait. And which is a funny story because I didn't even catch on to that 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 wordplay until like maybe less than a year ago <laughs> i was like whoa <laughs> my mind was freaking blown i was like Kuwait, wait, Kuwait. oh my god uh so yeah anyways so that's just a side <laughs> side note i didn't notice that till then but i was like because because you fly out of um i've seen like some of your recent videos were out of the pacific northwest so like what brought you to the states was it for for college university or or how did yeah. that work out yeah, so uh, so I uh, I did my um, my college years in the states. I went to uh, Fresno State in Fresno. Wow. Uh, I was there from ninety three until two thousand. Uh, so I did I did work after I graduated from college for mm. a few years uh, before I uh, finally decided to come back home. But um, you see, Blue, my my best years uh, were in the States. My transformation maybe from a teenager into, you know, into adulthood has really been in the States. Wow. And it, it's a place that is very dear to my heart. Uh, I made a lot of very good friends. Some of them, unfortunately, are not with us today, but some are. I'm still in contact with, you know, with a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, this the, this period of my life was probably the best period. Uh, I'm very fond of all the memories of all the people that I've met there. And they really, those people, the way they touched me, I think is, is truly who I am today. So I am really thankful to those who have touched my life in many different ways back in, in the States. Uh, and it, they really helped me become who I am today. Wow. Wow. It's just so fascinating to hear that part of your history. Never even considered or thought about it, you know, that you were over this side of the world, you know, just growing up, doing things in college and school and stuff. So, you know, um, I don't know if that's what it is, but it, it something translates in the way you explain, as you said, you're, you, you know, you're, you're a, t a t tutor, but the way you explain things to people in your tutorials, I think is what keeps people coming back. Yeah. You were straight to the point. Um, the, 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 the way you, you use language, basically the English language is the way you use it is, is, is no fluff, no extra. Uh, if I watch your tutorial, I literally don't have to fast forward it. I could just watch it. I get exactly what I need. I'm in, I'm out and it works. So now that explains the fact that you've lived in both parts of the world and, you know, 
your background to it. So that that is that is tremendous, man. We absolutely definitely enjoy it. I'm actually here on your YouTube channel. I went back to the first video you ever did, and you are right. It is the <laughs> landing in Hamad International seven years yep. ago, the A319. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm looking at it going. Prepared 3D was pretty back in the day. You know, you yeah. had the Burj Khalifa up here. You know, you had um, <clears throat> X plane. And, you know, uh, which sim did you start with? Uh, what's, what was your first simulator? Let me ask you that. Um, the first simulator I have ever used was on a Commodore. It was an Amiga Commodore. Uh, that was very, very long time ago, even long before uh, Flight Simulator 98 came out. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, and it was, it was actually the nice thing about Amiga Commodore is that it had very, very nice graphics. Uh, at the time, of course, for its time, it was very advanced, but it was, uh, the whole computer was uh, one meg of RAM. <laughs> so you can imagine oh my how God. good it was. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So um, that really got me into Flight Sim. When Microsoft Flight Simulator 98 came out, uh, I jumped on it immediately. And I was very happy with what it did. Um, and then, of course, I remained the course of the micro, the FSX route until I think we came with the FSX, the uh, what do you call it, accelerated version, whatever you call it. Then P3D came out, so right? or no? Yeah. So the very first one was on the Amiga Commodore, but I've pretty much lived through the entire lifespan of uh, of FSX. Wow. 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 Yeah, wow. 98 was actually my first ever flight sim, FSX 98. Or yeah, it, was, it was a good sim for its time. Yeah, yeah, the Learjet classic. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I, I didn't join up until X-Plane 10, 9-ish into 10, and I only had a MacBook, not even a MacBook Pro. Wow. I was never a PC person, and I had a MacBook that barely pulled about seven fps but i was wow. flying and you couldn't tell me differently you know i just started to wonder why all my 30 minute flights were taking an hour i didn't know <laughs> that the frames were dropping with the the time in x-plane and at the time but you know <clears throat> that was my first intro but as soon as i got a pc man i started looking into all these things and how to mod how to do this and how to do that but You've pretty much stuck with doing your tutorials um, for a very, very long time. We're talking about seven years now. Um, how do you keep going with these things? You know, what's what's the passion that you have to keep you up and you know, introducing new things to the people? What what is what's the main drive for you? Um, so the main driver, I think, is is my personal experience. So sometimes I'm like in the sim, and it's like, you know, how do I do this, or why is this not working? And that's when I actually start experimenting. And, uh, you know, I would probably do like what most people do is, is go to you Google and Google it. And, you know, I get to see on forums a lot of threads that are unanswered. So I would see someone asking about, you know, oh, I got this problem with ortho and it does this and it does that. How do I do this? How do I do that? Um, so... When I see a thread that ends without a proper conclusion, I feel, ah, I probably can add value there because now I've done a lot of research and now I can fix this. So let me show people how to fix this. So I think this is really what drives me is when, when I encounter an issue 
Uh, I know that I'm probably not the only one. Oh, if yeah. I can find a solution for it, uh, sometimes I would do a tutorial on it because it's sometimes not very straightforward and people may find it a little difficult to do it. So I then take things and I try to simplify them in my mind. I say, okay, so out of all this, you know, five, six page article, all you need to do is one, two, three. So let me do a video of that. That's normally how my thinking process works. Now, it, it, it works because, you, as I was saying earlier, you get to the meat of what everybody's looking for. Yeah. Not necessarily the shortcut, but yes, the shortcut, you know, to, <laughs> to get it up and running. And, you know, you, you would be the go-to person to see. Let me see what Q8 did with it. You know, he's going to – what I've considered is that you're going to go over it thoroughly, you know, very thorough, but not so much in the weeds that I, you, you get lost. You know what I mean? You correct, just correct. Yeah, the the necessary things, you know. So you you've been able to strike the balance between what's necessary and what's not important to get to get stuff up and running. Now I'm very disappointed though, and I mentioned this earlier before the stream started, that you actually changed your ortho tutorial video recently. I <laughs> I haven't watched the new one because every time I fly X plane and the ortho comes up, hey, can you make a tutorial? And I'm like, nope, I can't. But Q8 Pilot has an ortho tutorial. It's the same one I've even referred back to when I changed computers to learn how to set it up again hmm. on a new computer. Which oh, is, okay. Oh, yeah. I've used it to set it up on three computers now because once I set it one time, the way you demonstrate it, I forget it. But I see that you went back and changed it. What was the, the changes you made to the new video that you made for Ortho? What was the update? So I haven't, uh, I think both videos are still there, uh, but the new video is the new version of Ortho for XP. Uh, ah. So there is a, yeah, so there is a new version that came out. And uh, when I downloaded the newer version, I found that it's a lot easier because it gives you a lot more control over the zoom level. Uh, so what you can actually do with it is you can go to the airport area, set the zoom to level 19, but then you can do the rest of the map level 16, where the aircraft is at much higher altitude and you don't really need, you know, a higher resolution. Hmm. And uh, this is this is something that was extremely difficult in the previous version of Orthophorxp, where in the new version it's kind of just really. Uh, no-brainer. Uh, it's very easy to do. You just need you need to see how it's done the first time, and then you're good to go. So that is. Uh, I think both tutorials are still there. If you type in Q8 Pilot Ortho for XP, you get both of them. Hmm. One is really old, and one is uh, I think three what four months ago. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need to check that new one out because I don't have the old one anymore. It's on an old computer. And I haven't added any ortho since that. So I'll check it out because I used to use that same zoom level trick like my base tile and around. But if it's easier to do now, that'd be so much more of a help uh, to get done. <clears throat> one question though, um, when did you actually start live streaming? When did you start live streaming? Oh, that's a tutorial? tough question. Um... <laughs> I don't actually recall when I started, uh, but I used to get a lot of comments. Why don't you live stream? Why don't you live stream? And at first, uh, it was a little intimidating for me to actually do that, uh, simply because of two things. One, I've never done it before. And two, the internet connection in Kuwait wasn't sufficient for me to do it. 
simply because the you know the streaming servers are not anywhere near uh, you know this region. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was a, a lag. I tried a couple of times, I think, on Twitch, and I wasn't successful. I said, you know, just leave it, and let me just do recorded videos. But then I upgraded the, uh, the internet connectivity at, at my residence, and I said, okay, let me try and do it now. And at first, uh, I remember the first live stream I did, I was literally sweating. <laughs> but, uh, but then... Uh, but then I found it to be, uh, I started feeling more comfortable uh, doing the live stream. And, you know, I, I love the live interaction. And I think the more I did it, the more I realized, you know, it's easier actually to do than a video where, you know, you need to record the video and edit the video. Uh, where in the live stream, you know, and by the way, the nice thing about videos is you can edit out, you know, if, if you sneezed, for example, you could just <laughs> yeah. remove it. Yeah, you can't do that on a live stream, but I think it's very rewarding to have the interaction with people for one. And I found it to be um, because of the time constraint I have, I felt that it's easier for me to just say, all right, I'm going to stream from, you know, 9 p.m. to maybe 10, 30, 11 p.m. And then I'm just going to go to sleep and I'm done. You know, you, all you have to do is the thumbnail, set the, you know, publish the video and you're gone, you're, you're done. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure when I started live streaming, but maybe a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, maybe that would be my best bet. So which, which sim was it? Sorry, Blue. No, uh, I think I did, uh, I think the first one was X-Plane. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah, I was going to ask, so what you mentioned that you were like sweating your first live stream. What was it that you were so nervous about? Um, like, what was so intimidating really, about getting in the live stream? And I think it's your answer will probably help some people in the chat who may be thinking about getting in the live streaming. Yeah. So, so well, one thing is, is the, uh, you know, you're, you're afraid of, for example, you're doing a really bad landing, right? And not really <laughs> pleasing people. Uh, not really giving them a good show. Uh, I wasn't yeah. also sure of, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you tend to pause uh, too long. Uh, sometimes you get distractions. Uh, like, you know, my son would walk in and, you know, he wants something. And then I, I'm not really sure what to do is, uh, do I pause the stream? Do I mute my mic? Or, you know, it's very frustrating, you know, when you're not experienced in, in live streaming. So I think all of these conditions uh, would really make you feel a little intimidated. Uh, and I think I read a lot about, um, you know, how do you do live streaming? Make sure you're in a quiet area. Make sure that, you know, um, you're not thirsty. You have a bottle of water right next to you because you're not you're going to be pinned onto your chair for, you know, two hours or so. So you, you have to be comfortable. Uh, doing it, you have to do it the right times. It needs to be quiet, and you know my kid is is you know he's all over the place when he's awake. So I normally pick a time after they're all gone to bed. <laughs> so I think a little bit of personal things, a little bit of you know family, the family situation, um, all of it just contributes to you know feeling a little intimidated to uh, do the stream. And I'm. I think a lot of it is my personality blue. I, I'm a perfectionist by nature, and I like to do everything with quality. Um, and that really puts a lot of pressure on me because I want everything to be perfect. 
and I know things will never be perfect, but I strive to, you know, put on a good show for people, something I feel that it's going to be insightful, it's going to be useful for them. It's not just about me going on the stream, but it's me going on the stream and providing value for the community. And um, yeah, but after a while, I, I guess you, you get over it. <laughs> no, you're, you're actually, I don't know if we are the same age or close, but you're speaking my language because, you know, that's how I felt when I started. Like, all right, I'm representing myself. I'm trying to be entertaining, but I'm trying to be, you know, be, put on the best show possible, right? You know, you know, speak properly, sit up straight, no noise in the background, no disturbances and all that. And then I realized that, okay, you know, I make a mistake and I sneeze or a cough and then people are still watching like, oh, really? You guys are still here? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you know, and then you get into it. I've literally broken all the rules that I set out when I just started, you know, and every now and again, I have to catch myself and go, okay, you can't do that on stream. That's just not appropriate. You know what I mean? You can't let it get to that point. But I see your professionalism, and I, I get it. I understand exactly what you're saying about remaining professional on stream. But, you know, it, it, it comes across good, though. You know, the, the way you've managed to do it comes across really good. So <clears throat> keep it up. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate it. I was going to say, um, too, when, when you mentioned about uh, the per perfection, <laughs> being a perfectionist, and I could definitely tell that because – as you said, you started off doing only, you know, just videos. Like, you were pre-recording stuff. You were editing it. I'm sure you were editing so many things out. You're editing out your bad landings, um, <laughs> all of that. Uh, and so to come from – because, like, you, you created a brand for yourself, right, uh, for over these years. You created a brand for yourself. You're like, all right, this is kind of how I want people to perceive me, right? Um, but the truth is that's what – an edited video can cut out so many details, right of yourself and of of the oh, yeah. content you've created so when you get to a live stream like you they get what they see right like there's no there's no hiding there's no hiding a bad landing there's no hiding not knowing how to do a procedure like all that little stuff um you know if for example like oh you know you could say i'm gonna do a full flight right and edit out the descent part right and just land yeah. Um, and then people would know whether or not you actually know how to fly a star, <laughs> an arrival, if you even know how to use vertical <laughs> speed. You know what I mean? Like those little details that you could easily edit out and still make an enjoyable video to watch. Um, and so when it get, comes to making a live stream, all that, you're on the spot. Like you were, like you said, you're putting on a show. If it's your first time, you don't know if people are going to enjoy watching you longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel you on that. <laughs> true, true, true. I recently, uh, it's funny, you know, that you mentioned that I recently ran a poll on the community tab, um, asking people what would make you, uh, never want to miss a Q8 pilot stream and what would make you watch it till the end. Wow. And surprisingly, uh, you know, the poll result shows that most people want to see full flights with full ATC. Um, so that was uh, that was something that, you know, I've been doing offline. Uh, I haven't really, for the reasons I mentioned, I, ha I haven't done it uh, in, in the live stream. Mm -hmm. uh, the workload is is much heavier with, you know, with having an online uh, online ATC, yeah. and I didn't. I didn't want to mess things up, so I always kept it in an offline mode. Uh, but I, I think this is what the community wants, and if that's what the community wants, that's you know what I've got to do. 
Here I say that the 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 audience is very sadistic in the terms of <laughs> they really and truly want to see you sweat. They want yeah. to see you handle everything. No, it's true. I believe it. Sometimes I think they get a kick out of an emergency that wasn't even planned. Yes, they you know? do. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Come alive. You know, you know, no Geo said it, no gear landing in shenanigans. It's true. It's like, you know, look, you have established yourself, and this is the key. If you guys are listening out to an audience, QA has established himself for putting out quality work year after year after year after year. So he's not able to go live. And I think you're able to now go live, do ATC, and mess up from time to time. And you're going to be okay because you're already proving yourself. If right. you're a new person that's just coming, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, I agree. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. You have established yourself in the community as, hey, here's my body of work. So you know how I work. But let's just do this live thing here. I would love to see it, by the way. I would watch one of your streams with, <laughs> with cool. ATC. I, I would, would. I, I definitely would lo would love to see it, but you know, but that's it's it's funny what audiences want and react to. I think, but let me let me go on here. Let me let me shift the topic a little bit, and let me just say, FSX, P3D, and now Microsoft Flight Sim. You've been in the sim game for so long. As of today, 2020, what are your thoughts on these three sims? Future, past, and present. What are your thoughts on these three simulators? I'd really love to know. Oh, that's a, you know, that's a, a territory that normally I try avoiding, but uh, that, that's a good question. Um, all right. So, first of all, I probably, when I was first introduced to the community, I came across as an X-Plane guy. So, they call me the X-Plane guy. And oh. uh, I'm I'm actually very proud to have been associated with uh, you know with Explain and and with Laminar Research and some people actually actually thought at some point that I've worked for Laminar Research wow. because I you know I used to praise the simulator so much I used to make a lot of videos on it uh, but of course I have no association with with Laminar or with any other company uh, for that matter now FSX. Uh, or P3 later on P3D Lockheed Martin is I think an incredible platform, and for its time I think it was there for a very long time. I think the developer community has developed so many add-ons for FSX and prepared uh, over the years. Some are outstanding, and uh, of course I hear I'd have to mention uh, things like PMDG. And, you know, PMDG has created, uh, you know, the Boeing fleet uh, for uh, FSX and prepared. And those are, until this day, I think, until X-Plane came about, I think we're dominating really the study level market, if you will, uh, for flight simulation. Um, FSX it has, in my view, has died. It's, it's gone. There is still very few people using it. Uh, P3D is alive, but there is a declining demand for the simulator. And I think this is mainly due to the fact that you have two very good alternatives, such as Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 and Xplane 11 and soon to be Xplane 12. Now, there are, unless Lockheed Martin comes up with something significant, I think P3D is eventually going to die. It's, it's going to go away. Uh, unless they really improve their graphics engine, 
Uh, I spent a lot more time with P3D, you know, configuring things and changing settings to suit, uh, you know, the, for example, the airports that I'm flying to and from than actually the time I spent enjoying and flying the simulator. And, and I think I'm not alone there. I think a lot of people have this issue. But for its time, when P3D was there, when Microsoft Flight Simulator wasn't there, I will tell you that it was um, a superb flight sim platform. In fact, it is used by some schools for real-world training. But the same thing goes for X-Plane. Now, that is, you know, an area that I have a, you know, a soft side for. Uh, X-Plane is, it's, it's, I mean, it, it is my preferred simulator. And I think people know that. Um, and I do not publicly say that I prefer it because I do enjoy all simulators for different reasons. But X-Plane remained for the duration of the past seven years to be my to-go flight simulator. The reason is it is very easy to set up, one. Uh, two, it's got a very accurate flight model by account of real-world pilots, uh, which my uncle happens to be one. Hmm. And uh, he actually tried both simulators, uh, P3D and X-Plane, and he tells me that X-Plane is more realistic in terms of the flight model. The eye candy in P3D and in uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is much better. Uh, now, actually, nothing comes close to uh, to uh, MSFS in terms of the scenery, in terms of the depiction of the world, the depiction and representation of meteorological data. Um, all of that good stuff is definitely, you know, Microsoft wins there. But in terms of um, what explain in the last year, if you look at the study level add-ons that came for explain, it has really established itself as one of the leading flight simulation platforms, both for entertainment, for us simmers to enjoy, but also for um, real-world training. Uh, many very high-quality add-ons came, and you can see the developers have learned something in the, you know, in the course of developing software for Xplain. They're creating such high-fidelity um, add-ons that, you know, I'm just amazed. I, I don't know if you've seen the recently released uh, Hot Start uh, Challenger 650. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, that is just amazing. Uh, mm. The Tools A340, the 742 Classic uh, by Felis, the Q4XB by FlyJSIM, uh, the SR22, again, by, uh, I believe, Torxim. Um just really amazing add-ons for explain the airfoil lab system let's not forget that one yep. uh, so many just very high quality add-ons so today i think and of course we've seen the trailers of explain 12. so in terms of the past p3d was the king fsx p3d was the king for a very long time with a much bigger user base explain then started coming up and becoming a serious contender for the platform. When MSFS came, I think P3D and FSX started phasing out. And now the two main sims for civil aviation is X-Plane and MSFS, with probably more user base for Microsoft Flight Simulator than X-Plane, while they, uh, the growth for Microsoft Flight Simulator is much bigger 
because obviously it's a newer platform. And then the introduction of Xbox has definitely added to that. Uh, I think Laminar still remains very strong in terms of growth and in terms of the value that the platform offers to the community. I think moving forward, future, I think both are going to remain as uh, as Sims used by the flight sim community. I think we will continue to have, you know, all these fights in the comment section of videos that, you know, compare the two Sims. But I think the community is so fortunate today that we have a company like Asobo Studios and Microsoft that developed Microsoft Flight Simulator and all the developers such as PMDG creating excellent add-ons for this new flight simulation platform. And also the fact that we have Laminar Research and I have a lot of respect for the people at Laminar Research because Laminar is a very small software company mm -hmm. as opposed to a gaming studio. And if you look at the difference between the two, the terms of resources, the capabilities, um, Laminar is much smaller, but smaller only in the size and maybe number of people. But in terms of what they offer, the community is just outstanding. Uh, and, and the you know blade element theory and what they use in the sim is something that makes, I think, X-Plane very unique. And with X-Plane 12 and all the trailer footage that I've seen and some of the screenshot that I've seen, I can tell you that we're in for something very, very special. So moving forward, we're going to have two excellent high-fidelity platforms to enjoy with some very high-quality add-ons. And I think we as a community will, will be able to enjoy both and learn from both. That would be my concluding remark on that. I think that was wow. very it, well guys. said. Show's over. <laughs> wrap it up. We're done. We have gotten the most succinct answer to that question that we have ever would heard. love to say, but we've never said it before. Yes. We didn't know how to put it into words. Yeah. Uh, Q8. I mean, that sums it up for couple of things blue has been saying that i've been saying it but the 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 um the survey that came out from um from um what's my graph yeah back to everything that you just said and the way you've explained it this to me sounds like that is the future um the the only question is that is there room for two simulators going forward at this point With um, all that has and so forth is there room for two sims Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think if you look at the user base uh, and if you look at the flight simulation genre in general, I think there is a lot more people, um, you know, coming into the hobby. I think it's becoming more accessible. I think a lot more people are using it maybe for entertainment. It's like what it feels like to flying a plane. In fact, my my son is is really big on infinite flight. So he's got it loaded on his uh, iPad and he flies. And hey. uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Blue. No, I'm just saying, hey, shout out infinite flight. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think there's definitely room for two, and not just two, but maybe three simulators. Uh, I will tell you uh, what I mean by that. I think if you are more of a civil aviator and uh, you want to, you know, you're very serious about maybe flying, maybe you're going to go to X-Plane uh, because of the flight model. If you want to have fun and fly for recreation and 
fly with your friends and have fun with your friends, then I would probably pick MSFS. Uh, VFR flying also in MSFS because of its really brilliant scenery. But then if you're a combat pilot, then you'd probably turn into DCS. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think all three simulators has something very valuable to offer the community. And I think you will continue to see people uh, probably switching back and forth between the simulators. There will be people who will use exclusively one or the other. But there's definitely room for not just two, but I think three simulators in the future. So let's let's talk future, and and we're kind of just all speculating now. But I mean, you got me excited after your speech about you know the history of flight sim in the future. I was like, man, yeah, that was so so well said. But like, let's think. This is what I want to think about, right? And that is X Plane Twelve, right? Let's talk about the future. X Plane Twelve. This could be. We don't know when this is coming out, but we know this could be our future. X Plane Twelve, which we've heard great things about, we're excited about. But let's think about Microsoft, not in its present state. But let's think about Microsoft after PMDG 737, after the Phoenix A320, after some of these study level in quotation, um, and some of these high fidelity aircraft that we've all been waiting for on Microsoft flights. And we're all been begging for that, right? So why would we beg for all these great high fidelity planes on, on Microsoft Flight Sim if we're not going to play Microsoft Flight Sim? So my question is, thinking about Microsoft Flight Sim after we've gotten three or four high fidelity planes, you know, um, how will that stand up against X-Plane 12 and what they've been promising, plus the addition of all the amazing, you know, add-ons that we already have for 12, for 11 that we know will convert over? What do you think, how, how do you think it's going to match up? Um, I think it's going to be very tough to speculate as to what will happen, but I will say this based on my experience uh, with PMDG products, for example. I know... There is a huge uh, base of people that would probably immediately turn to a Microsoft Flight Simulator when those aircraft are out. So I think from experience, I think X-Plane will lose some market share once those aircraft are available in Microsoft Flight Simulator because of its high fidelity um, you know, representation of the world. Mm. Um, and I think Lemonar is, is going to have a tough time bringing those guys back uh, to the platform unless they provide something that is again wow it's got to have the wow factor now yeah. with explain 12 i think they fix a lot of the things that we as users used to complain about things like the weather um, atc has been improved uh, but people want to see, for example, when they come into land at, let's say, Oxford, London, Oxford, they want to see the grass. Yes. They want to see that little river. They want to see that little house, which, you know, they spend the night with their friends at some five years ago. It relates to your real world experience. It, when, when I fly in Microsoft Flight Simulator and I fly over, you know, my area where I live and I see my house, I chuckle with joy. So, yeah, look, yeah, that's, that's my house. And so I think that part of the experience is something that we will probably not get with X-Plane and maybe in, in the foreseeable future. Uh, I think it will take a long time for that to happen, uh, if, if it happens at all. Uh, and so I think there is a little bit of an edge once you have PMDG of the world in Microsoft Flight Simulator, I'm certain that X-Plane will lose some market share. Uh, 
But I know also that when X-Plane 12 comes out, um, there's maybe with a fewer percentage, but MSFS would also lose some percentage there. Um, and it's going to be very hard to speculate how much uh, the difference is going to be. But my hunch would be is more people are going to probably turn to Microsoft Flight Simulator than those are going to going to go to Explain or Explain is going to lose more to MSFS than MSFS is going to lose to Explain. Uh, yeah. That would be my take on it, just based on you know my own experience and what people you know, talk about in the forums. Uh, two things. Uh, I know you work for a laminar QA. Don't tell me you don't. <laughs> <laughs> if I was saying to, on yesterday's stream, I was flying X-Plane coming into a particular airport and the senior developer, I used to tell my guys, I said, listen, what X-Plane is missing um, is what Microsoft have down low. They have this tree density. When you're coming into an airport, you really feel it. You feel the land, you feel the speed, you feel everything because there's trees. X-Plane 12 needs to have a very high tree density on the ground below a certain altitude. Yeah. It really does. If it doesn't have it, it's going to miss the mark completely. Because when a developer puts that in the scenery and you're coming in, it looks almost just like Microsoft Flight Sim. Even though X-Plane doesn't have ortho, if you have that tree density that covers a hill and a mountain, like I was flying in South America last week, and part of it that blew me away in Microsoft was just how nice the trees look. It looked like you're in the Caribbean, you know. Yeah. You look like yeah. you're over a jungle. It looks so thick. Explain needs that. But I am actually looking forward to and about you guys. PMDG, as you say, is like the premier Boeing person in Simulator. I can't wait for the PMDG 737 to drop so I can compare it to the Zebo 737. System-wise and flight model-wise. I'm just I want to see head to head what a Zebo and a PMDG is gonna feel like. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if sim limitations from Microsoft or PMDG is gonna work around that or what. I, I'm I don't know about you guys. What do you guys think about a head to head just feeling these two airplanes, you know, back to back in the different sims? I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. One thing That's I always, really interesting. One thing I always <laughs> thought about Microsoft Flight Sims, I always felt that it was too easy. Um to, to fly and to land, you know what I mean? Like on X Plane you feel like you really have to like you know, roll your sleeves up when you land. You know, I mean, you have to it. actually work for it. You have that satisfaction that, oh, yeah, that was a great, great landing. But in Microsoft Flight Sim, you get a great landing, you're like, I mean, it was, it was, you know, in a live stream, you're like, oh, yeah, it was good. Thank you, thank you, whatever. But, you know, in reality, if you just were playing X Plane the day before, or, you know, a few days before, you, you can kind of feel that difference and you don't get the same satisfaction so i'm kind of wondering with some of these you know not not just pmdg but some of these different high fidelity airliners are you going to get you know a better physics flight model like for example and i'm always talking and talking about this brand uh the piper pa28 from just flight still to this day my favorite aircraft on microsoft flight sim they've done some great things with it. i'm not sure how you feel about it Q Q8, uh but when you land that plane it does not feel like you're landing a typical Microsoft Flight Sim plane. It felt like you have to actually put in some some almost real world landing knowledge on landing a, a low wing GA plane. You know, um, so I, I get a really good sense of satisfaction when landing that plane. I'm wondering if I'm gonna get the same thing when landing a PMDG, a Phoenix, uh, whatever. Absolutely, I think I, uh, I I I agree with both of you. I think uh, just from experience, 
The Zebo mod is by far the very best Boeing 737 available for a flight sim platform, period. Uh, if you look at the development of the aircraft and all the updates that have been integrated into it, and uh, there is a, a real-world 737 pilot that you know flies it frequently, mm -hmm. and he really praises the aircraft, and he says that it, this is as close as it gets to the real thing. Um, the thing about Zebo is that it's constantly being updated. It's, uh, you know, issues are being ironed out and fixed. And I think today it's gotten to the point where it is a study level simulation of the 737. I am fortunate enough to have, um, also the entire fleet of PMDG aircraft for P3D. And I've, uh, I've gotten the 737 NG for P3D version five. And I did a little bit of a comparison between the two a couple of weeks ago. I was actually going to do a video of it, and then I, you know, kind of got busy <laughs> with stuff. But, but um, what I do find is there are things in the in the PMDG um, seven three seven version that are not available in the Zebo mod, uh, as far as the system simulation. Now, the way the aircraft flies by account of real-world pilots, the Zebo mod is a lot closer to the real thing than the PMDG aircraft. They're both, by the way, close. So they're both fairly accurately represent the flight model of the 737 in the flight sim. But um, the Zebo flies closer uh, to reality than, than the PMDG counterpart. But in terms of the system simulation, there are just things that you can simulate or configure in the PMDG version that are just not available until this day in the Zebo mod. Um, so I think it's a very difficult comparison. And unless I think we bring two 737 pilots who've used both versions enough and tell them, all right, you are real world pilots, and one will test the Zebo, one will test the PMDG, come and share your notes, and then come and tell the community, what do you think? Yeah. Which one is more accurate? In terms, I think that is going to be needed moving forward. Uh, I don't think any flight simmer today who is not a real-world pilot is going to be able to provide the community with uh, sort of a, an accurate comparison between the two. Hmm. Having never owned a PMDG product myself, because X-Plan has only been my only sim until Microsoft comes out, what are the things that are in the PMDG 7.3 that's not in the Zebo? Is it a system thing, or is it like GSX integration, or what is it? Oh, no, no, it's more of a system thing. So uh -huh. you, when, when you go to the simulation, there are like 12 pages uh, in the MCD, in the FMS. There are 12 pages in the menu where you can go and configure even the autopilot siren, uh, you know, you can go and configure it. You wow. can add a lot wow. of different. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 quite detailed. And uh, I think also PMDG, when you load up their delivery manager, um, you can download, for example, uh, for the 747, for example, you can download, uh, I think for all of them, you can download the airline properly, the, like the configuration is properly aligned to the actual airline. So this is how KLM flies their 737 with this registration number. Wow. Uh, wow. So it's got, yeah, it's got all the system configured 
exactly like the airline. And, and, and that is something I have a lot of appreciation for. And I think for this reason, PMDG has been very successful uh, with their entire fleet uh, of Boeing aircraft. Uh, Zebomod is, again, just really the high, one of the highest fidelity um, aircraft available for flights and platform, and it's totally free. So that, in terms of the value for flight simulation, if it comes to that, then definitely Zebo gives you more value because it's free. You yeah. don't have to, it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, whereas PMDG is quite an expensive add-on to have. Premium wow. product. <laughs> oh man, I'm look, I'm looking I'm so looking forward to this matchup. I you you don't know. I can't wait <laughs> to fly that PMDG for the first time in so, Microsoft flights. So that being said, uh yo, we're talking about I feel like we're talking about another level of, of simulation, of, of of high fidelity, of you know, study level in this hot start challenge at six fifty. Where does that fall into the mix, even comparing it to these airliners from PMDG and P three D aircraft? Um, the hot, the hot start Challenger 650 is by far the single most detailed, high fidelity study level simulation of an aircraft that I have ever seen, period. I haven't seen anything as detailed as this aircraft. So really a job very well done by hot start. Uh, it's an aircraft that uh, I mean, it, the integration also the of the FBO with the aircraft is uh, yeah. it's the full experience. You know, it's I haven't seen anything like it before, and uh, I think there is a, a lot of work that has gone into you know modeling programming uh, that aircraft. Uh, I think it's it sets the bar very high. It is uh, a little less than some of the PMDG. Uh, add-ons so uh, some i think the 747 cost more wow. uh, or the 777 i think cost more it's like 130 something dollars for the uh, pmdg 777 yeah uh, but yeah yeah wow. it is it's, it's quite expensive um but i think the hot start really sets the bar too high and it also tells other developers this can be done mm -hmm. but this level of fidelity is achievable in a flight sim, and it's all to our benefit. I s simply think today the Challenger 650 is simply the most accurate aircraft or representation of the full experience uh, of an aircraft in a flight sim. It's brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there's nothing wow. like it. It's it blew me away, and even after you know it had with three or four updates now. And even just after the first update, I was like, bro, what else can you do to this plane? And then he just keeps adding things and making it better. And like, we're really just at the start. Like he wants to do so much more to it, which is amazing. It's, I think it shows when a developer has a passion for a Absolutely. project, it just shines through. And I think that's what, what's happening with the Challenger. And a lot of other planes have had the same kind of shine to it. We can tell the developer really loved this. They weren't just doing it for the money. They're not just doing it because somebody asked them to do it. Um, uh, but yeah, the hot start is, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. Wow, wow, wow. But speaking of which, speaking of GA airplanes and airliners, what do you personally prefer between the two, uh, Q8? GA or airliners? What do you prefer? 
Um, I personally prefer GA aircraft. Nah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like GA aircraft a lot more. Um, simply because I think uh, w- with the airliners, it's highly automated. So once you know, once you take off, you know, you switch on the autopilot, and then it's pretty much you know the aircraft does everything. It with the GA, you have to do a lot of things manually, uh, and I appreciate that. I like that. Um, when I'm not streaming, I normally like to take uh, a Cessna 152 or a 172 and, you know, fiddle around with trimming, you know, uh, just l- battling the air and just manually fly the aircraft, do some VFR. Uh, I think it's a lot more fun. Uh, at, at 33, 36,000 feet, you can't really see much on the ground either. So in terms of an experience, I know that the community wants to see the big birds. I know that they don't like GA very much, or it doesn't really entice them to come to your stream if you're doing even a review of a GA aircraft. But, you know, when you're doing something like a 737 or an Airbus, or uh, everybody's going to come and, and watch your stream because they're interested in those big birds. And I think it's, it's got to do with our psychology as humans. Um, you know, when you see something so big and so heavy flying up in the air, it's something that is, you know, that amazes us. Um, But personally, GA aircraft all day long. So I have to ask, I have two questions for you. They're both about balance. So first, what you just said, GA versus, you know, airliners. So how do you kind of decide how to balance that because you obviously have a passion for ga but you also love you know airliners i'm sure you kind of just like us you love aviation period so how do you balance when it comes to making tutorials or live streams how do you balance what you should do are you just taking kind of community votes uh, or are you just like all right well i just want to do ga today so i'm do ga so how do you kind of decide the balance between ga versus airliners yeah um that's a good question um so normally uh it's exactly what you said the blue i do run a lot of community uh polls uh, to kind of see what people like to see and uh, normally when i put in a ga so i'll i'll give like an option in x-plane an option in microsoft flight simulator and then you know uh, some ga aircraft almost all the time people pick the airliners (laughs) <laughs> so I understand <laughs> I understand the community wants to see those big birds. And so when I'm tailoring content for the channel, uh, I do take that into consideration. I make sure that I give a lot more attention to those big birds. And when I do tutorials, I will do more tutorials for the big birds than for GA aircraft. Um, Nonetheless, when I'm doing my own casual flying, then I hardly fly the big birds. I like to fly, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorites now in, in X-Plane is uh, the uh, King Air 350 by Airfoil Labs, uh, the Airfoil Lab 172, the SR-22 and SR-20 Integra by uh, Torxim. Uh, those are the kind of aircraft I really like to fly, you know, in my free time when I just want to chill and enjoy the sim. That's what I do. But the community polls is is one. And if you also look at forums, so if you look at what people ask about and what they have issues with, is mainly the big birds. You don't really hear a lot of people talking about smaller aircraft. 
And so that gives you gives you a sense of what the community wants, what they're looking for, and what they're using. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, if you want to be successful in in creating content, you got to do what appeals to the community. Unfortunately, I'm so glad yeah. you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have a feeling it's just that it's simple. It's our our little brains. We just like more switches to flip. And more complication, even though the hot start is way more complicated than all these other planes, people still like the big birds to fly because they think it's just more challenging, you know. Yeah. And they, they haven't even flown a GA plane or a Cessna. They're, I've seen people come into the simulator, and the first thing you want to do is fly the Zebo. I'm like, have you even taken a Cessna out yet? Have you just flown anything? It, <laughs> yeah. you know? it amazes me it, as well. It amazes me when I, I hear people getting in. I get it. I completely understand. It's just like he said, the psychology behind it. Um, but when people get in the, in the flight sim, it doesn't matter what sim they're doing. The X-Plane, P3, Microsoft flights, and they hop in the biggest plane that's available on that sim. And they take that out, and they want to fly it around, and then they struggle with it because, you know, there's a lot of steps that usually you need to go through to get to that point. But then... Kind of circling back, that's where those tutorials come through, right? It's like, all right, well, I don't know how to fly a Cessna, <laughs> but I want to fly a 747, and Q8 just happens to have a tutorial on how to fly this particular 747, and then they kind of get knowledge on that. But what's, you know, one thing that kind of amazes me as well is I'll hear on VATSIM all the time uh, of someone who's like, all right, well, maybe they just for some reason are interested in flying a GA flight. They're, they're used to flying on on VATSIM. They probably have 500 IFR hours on VATSIM, but then they finally try to do a, a GA flight in VFR, and they have no idea what to say on the radio, what to do, what the procedures mm-hmm. are. They don't understand. They're not supposed to fly on the Bravos, <laughs> um, things like that. Um, and you know, it's just another learning experience that you need to go through for GA because GA is completely different. And I feel like once you, I say this, but I feel like. It doesn't have a lot of weight because I've tried this with XP and it didn't work. I was like, once you get into <laughs> a GA plane in real life, you have a bigger appreciation for it. But then XP's done it twice and he's still, I don't feel like has gotten it. <laughs> um. maybe, maybe maybe QA can help. So I've flown with a CFI, a Cessna twice. And the experience is like, there's nothing to compare it to. As you said previously earlier, you said it's just the freedom of being in the air, looking out over the horizon, looking at all the landmarks that you know, coming in for landing, appreciating the speed. But my big jet ride is just so much more impressive for some reason. I don't know if it's the scale of it, the mass of it, you know, what is it? I don't know. You know, if I could lose zero to a big jet, uh, I would be like, stop streaming and go get my license right now. <laughs> you know? So, but of course, it's not possible. But, what, you know, it, it's tough to say what the catch is with big airplanes. I guess it's just like you can own a dinghy boat or you can own a cruise ship. And you're like, I want a cruise ship, you know, something like that, I guess. Well, I Not think true. it goes back to, you know, it, yeah, I think it's the natural way our brains work. You know, bigger is better. Um, yeah. I mean, at airports, if you notice, um, for us aviation enthusiasts, I think when you're at an airport, you will always be struck by the looks of a A380 uh, mm. rather than, you know, maybe a Dash 8. So if you saw a Dash, Dash 8, well, yeah, it's a nice plane. You know, I, I've seen it in the sim. But when you see an A380, oh, wow. You know, look at those engines. Look at that wing. You know, and I find myself saying that myself. Uh, though I like GA aircraft more, but I think there is something again with the fact that 
you know, I think the human brain, when you see an aircraft of that size flying up in the air, and you can see the contrails, for example, from those jet engines, I think your brain appreciates the progress that humans have made. Yeah. I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's very majestic to think that the human brain was able to do something like that, something that significant. And I think I, th I don't think you get that might with with a general aviation aircraft, like a smaller Cessna flying, you know, with the piston engine. You don't really feel, you know, the might of of that aircraft. Uh, but for example, with a 737, with a jumbo jet, with an A380, definitely you feel that. You feel, you know, what humans have done, and you feel the might of the aircraft itself. I think that's really what it boils down to. I think also it's a psychological thing. And I got a good example. If you're at a small little, you know, municipal airport and, you know, there's a Cessna in front of you. It's just, you know, it's just kind of imagine. We haven't seen many aircraft in our life. Uh, or maybe we never seen one at all. We see a Cessna. You turn it on. Like, oh, wow, that sounds loud. That sounds amazing. That's, that's really cool, right? But then a Dash 8 rolls next to it. You got these massive two turbo prop engines. And you're like, wow, like, okay, now you're attracted to this bigger thing. But in the scale of things, right, we're at the small airport, got a little Cessna and a, you know, and a bigger Dash 8, right? You're like, oh, that's amazing. But then let's take that Dash 8 to an international airport, right? Now, you got a 737 next to it with these jet engines. You got this power, right? I think it's one of the things that really attracts us to bigger jumbo jets. Is not only is it a freaking marvel of of uh, of um, engineering, but also just the power that it takes to get something like that off of the ground and the, the sound of it, the loudness of it. But you see a dash eight next to a 737. You're attracted to the 737. You're like, huh? How does that work? Let's take a closer look at those turbo fans. You know, stuff like that. But then. Let's make it even bigger. That 737 flies to a bigger airport. Then you see a 747. Has four engines, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my God, look at that!" I you know, so <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. And so we've moved all the way from a Cessna up to a 74, and then you go to an A380. Now this is a big, big debate between Airbus and Boeing, but still, A380 just happens to be bigger. I personally don't think it's attractive. Uh, no offense to anybody, but you, when you see an A380, you have a respect and appreciation for it. Doesn't matter how you feel about Airbus. Doesn't matter how you feel about how it looks. When you see it in person and how massive it is, and it just kind of makes us all feel small and like wow that you know so i, I think that's and also it also comes down to the fact that we all want what we can't have and we want to see what we don't have access to right so when it comes to small ga you could easily pay a hundred dollars do do a discovery flight and get an assessment anybody can do that it's that easy you could obviously you could also pay an easy hundred dollars and get in a spirit flight an a320 <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy, right? That's so, absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> so these these cheap things, you know, we're like, oh, it's just easy, right? We can we can get our hands on it as easy, but the stuff that we can't get access to as easy, maybe a seven four or an A three eighty or a big jet, stuff like that. Maybe we can't get into that cockpit. Maybe we, you know, that plane doesn't fly into our into our city, something like that. You know, I feel like we we want that, and because we can't have it in, in real life, we can't access it. It translates over to the sim. And curiosity, right? It's like I'm more curious about these bigger things because I'm less likely in real life to be able to actually fly this plane. You know, even if I do intend to be in getting get into aviation, it's still you know it's going to be a challenge to get to these specific type of aircraft. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of it's a lot of psych psychological things in play there. I think is the reason why 
the majority of people, at least in the flight sim, are preferring um, airliners over GA. And also, you can even see this in, like, if you look at some of the, the YouTubers who are real-world pilots, uh, whether they be GA or uh, airliner pilots, it's really interesting because I've actually noticed that there's a massive... And I mean massive general aviation community out there. Like, it's huge. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. when it comes to, you know, the airliner side, I don't really know how that works. You don't see as many YouTubers. There's not a whole lot of meetings of Oshkosh just for airliner pilots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you know, they come to the Oshkosh with all the GA pilots. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it's it's a very interesting dynamic. Yep. Well, speaking of the airplanes and airliners, uh, Kuwait, Classics like the um, 727 or newer airplanes like the 73 Max, uh, what do you look for in airplanes? A300 versus the A321. Are you a classic kind of guy or you prefer the, the, the newer, more technology glass cockpit? Um, I'm more of a classic guy. Uh, I think I prefer the uh, older uh, the older classics over the newer modern you know fully computerized um, aircraft um, and the reason i think being um it's very it when you learn what you know what happened in the old days and how pilots you know what they had to go through in order to operate an aircraft and fly from point a to point b I think you get a lot more appreciation for the progress that has happened since then. And so for us to, the, the modern era, I think if you sit in a, in a completely computerized cockpit and, you know, you fly the aircraft, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy it. But I think when I understand how INS works, for example, uh, to me, that was, it, it's testimony uh, for the progress that was made in aviation in engineering and many things and it's good to be able to experience what you know pilots have experienced in the past i know there was a, a good friend of mine who is a retired 707 boeing pilot and he tells me that back in the days it actually was very difficult to pull the yoke and control the aircraft it was a job and he said you had to have some muscles to actually be able to steer the aircraft in the air. Mm. It wasn't easy. Uh, even the throttle quadrant, he said, it took some effort to actually move it. It wasn't as smooth and automated as it is today. So I think when when I sit, for example, in the Fly Jason 727, and I can almost smell the you know the scent of an old cockpit. Uh, it, it just takes me back in those years, and I start thinking. I can even relate to some of my own experiences. I'm not that old, but you know, I'm, I'm old <laughs> enough, I think. And <laughs> um, it, it really puts me back to those days, and I really get a lot of appreciation for what we have today. So I think, for you know, whatever reason, I prefer the classics. Uh, over over the modern, uh, you know, computerized and fully automated systems. I think they're more fun. Uh, you learn a lot. And once you learn, you know, what happened in the old days, you come to the modern system and you, and you actually can relate to it. You can relate why, or you can even speculate why things were changed. Oh, because in the older version, it used to happen this way. And, and I think to me, that's just a fascination. Uh, for, for me, I love the classics. 
What about you, Blue? I never asked you that question before. What Am I think? classic or modern when it comes to aircraft? I'm right. I'm more on the modern side personally. Uh, I kind of, in a sense, of what Q8 said. I do like to try the older stuff to again get a sense of like aviation history. And when you come back to the modern jet, you have a better appreciation for you know why things are the way they are. It's also I've always felt it's important to know how to operate things manually in case. You know things go wrong the modern aircraft have the backup systems of of you know what used to be primary systems um and so knowing how to actually use that i feel like is important and you know especially for me i i do plan to become a pilot to go through my training and i don't plan on using a cessna with a g1000 i want to use a glass cockpit like if i had to choose between the two at least in the beginning of my training i want to know how to fly with the six pack versus the g1000 i can do that later on um mm -hmm. but yeah i'm more of a, a modern though when it comes to airliners though believe it or not it's funny when i when i took those two cessna rides and i one had a, a g1000 and one had uh similar to a six-pack i preferred the one with the six-packs it was just simpler to look at and focus on the information that i needed i found the g1000 to be a little bit too over too much information for somebody who was learning you know it was weird but you you said it right i was like wait a minute i find myself looking at a six-pack simple you know speed uh vertical speed indicator stuff like that was much easier to glance at than the g1000 because it was just all over the place and you know you're flying in real life and you want to glance down and up and out the window at the same time so that, that's interesting now if My, i'm flying through a busy airspace like you know around new york city la <laughs> like where's all these different airspaces bravos charlies on top of each other i want to have some type of you know device in there that helps to pick that so that i can you know kind of skirt through it easier i mean obviously i need to know i need to know how to do it without it but it just makes it much easier to get through that busy airspace yeah uh my own my go-to classic was the uh ixcg um 737 q8 do you remember when the ixcg dropped on um mike on, 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 on x-plane how oh, yeah. that was a game changer for oh, us yeah because we never had Absolutely. anything in any airliner like that before it was it was a step ahead oh, oh yeah. yeah definitely definitely that 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 was my go-to there uh with, with modern but i have to say now that i'm actually appreciating the new boeing direction with the max the 78 and the new triple seven x coming out it's all the same uniform cockpit to be honest they're following airbus basically and i could say that and I don't mind it at all. Definitely don't yeah. mind it. Oh, yeah. Um, as a matter of uh, news, uh, there is a 737 MAX coming out for X-Plane very soon. Uh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the cockpit work is being worked out. And it should not be – before long, we will have the 737 MAX for X-Plane 11. And it's going to be free. Wow. Nice. Nice. More wow, yeah, that's that's the more really interesting. I have so many questions that you can't answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna yeah, leave that there. Yeah, and uh... that is true. That is true. Uh, how is it working with um? You know, you do you do you work with developers at all, or like previewing stuff, airports, airplanes? How is it working with developers um, for you? Look, I've done a little bit of that, and I, I, let me tell you. Um, let me tell you an experience I had. I, I'm not going to say the name of the developer, uh, but I will tell you about the experience. Now, 
I'm somebody who reviews products, okay? And I remain, uh, for the most part, I try to, you know, suppress any bias that I have. I'm, I'm human in the end, folks. And I definitely develop biases over time. But I do my absolute best not to let those biases creep into my reviews. And for, the, for this reason, I go and purchase my own add-ons all the time. Now, it, there was an experience with one of the developers. Uh, he's got an aircraft that sells on the Xplane Org store, and he's asked me to help provide feedback uh, on, on the aircraft. It was in very early stages of development. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. And I started giving them some tips on, because I know what the community wants. I, when I review an aircraft, I hit the points that I know matter to people. I leave everything else out. And so I started giving them some tips. And over time, you know, I got busy with things. And, but he was under the impression that I should probably give his aircraft a good review because mm. I was, you know, part of the team, the initial team that gave you know, feedback on the aircraft. Now, some of my feedback was actually heated, so I've seen the changes done to the aircraft, but when the aircraft came out, it was not up to the standard, in my view. And I state my opinions just like that. You know, I don't embellish things. If I don't think it's good, it's not good. I'm just going to say it's not good, guys. I don't recommend it. As simple as that, even if I was part of the development team. So I think he, he felt a little bit bitter over that experience. And that's the last thing I want to do as a, you know, as someone who likes to think that I'm an inspiration to the community. And I felt very guilty um, over that. And I said, all right, from this point forward, I'm not going to do any collaboration in that way with developers. I'm more than willing to, you know, get their add-on and put it on the channel if that's what they want me to do. But my precondition always with them is, folks, just know that when you give me any add-on, I'm going to state my opinions. And it's going to be completely separate from what you think about your add-on. You, I know you're very proud that you've created you know, a, a brilliant add-on for, you know, for uh, Xplain or for MSFS. But I have a responsibility towards the community to state my honest opinion, whether I think they should buy it. Or no, is this worth the investment or not? And people may not have, you know, may not agree with me, and that's perfectly okay. But my sense of responsibility towards the community is that I must be honest and tell them what I truly think. One. And two, um, when I'm actually doing these reviews, you know, I have a criteria that I follow. So it's not just that, oh, I think it's not good. That's it. No, I have a criteria. I go and look at the documentation of the aircraft. I look at the modeling and I actually zoom in and look at very carefully at all the textures. I look at the colors. I do match the colors with what I see in real life. I bring real world footage of all the add-ons, the aircraft, and I, I look at them. I compare them and see how closely they match. So there's a very long process I go through before I declare my final verdict. And so I've done a few uh, where it was more casual. Uh, I think I've done recently the Honda Jet with uh, Marwan Gharib as a developer behind the aircraft. And he's reached out and said, you know, I want your feedback on the aircraft. And I said, fine. So it was freeware. So there isn't much for me to, 
you know, to critique uh, yeah. on the aircraft. It's freeware for that. So on freeware, it's a completely different ballgame. So I gave him my feedback. He actually took my feedback to heart. He's worked very hard on, you know, putting the aircraft in a state where it's usable. And then I did a, you know, a, a live stream uh, to showcase it to the community. Uh, so I'm more than happy to support developers. I'm more than happy to um, help them with feedback. But they asked me for a review. Uh, if it's going to be an item that people need to pay money for, then I'm going to state my opinions just as it is, without any embellishment, without any, you know, uh, and without any bias. As simple as that. Yes, I have a I have a senior developer I need to send your way because he really needs some serious feedback and you know uh, talking about the same one no, I'm thinking about no yeah look I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because um, the community has to know that the positions that you're put in as a reviewer you know and they go how comes you didn't get display in our this scenery sometimes you don't want it because you you don't want to have to. I honestly hurt somebody's feeling, but you want to be honest because people are going to use your recommendation to buy a particular senior airplane and they need to know the truth. And, you know, you, 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 you don't want to give up your integrity by just giving somebody a pass when you know clearly there are issues going on with it. So I've had to turn down sceneries like, yeah, man, you need to do some more work here before you push this out to the community. So I'm, yeah. I feel happy that you said that. I, I think too with uh, with reviews and live streaming because as a li when you live stream something, even if you're not calling it a review, you're still kind of reviewing it and you're promoting it. People will buy it just because they saw XP flying there, or just because he's there and they want to fly with you in the same scenery. Doesn't matter if it's good scenery or not. They're like, I want that scenery. I'm gonna go buy that scenery. And the thing, whenever it comes to even for me when I'm making reviews as well, uh, is is knowing the weight you carry. When making a review because people are spending their hard-earned money on this thing right you know some some people in the community don't have jobs they're getting money from their parents or allowance or you know some of these add-ons get pretty expensive like you know that's why like a, a challenger uh you know or, or a 747 from pmdg it costs 740 dollars you know that's that's a significant yep. amount of money for a lot of people. Uh, and so they're watching multiple reviews, trying to find out whether or not this is something that is worth their money. And it's, it's obviously hard to say if it's worth their money because everybody sees worth differently. But if you can lay out the facts for them and show them, hey, these are the things that I like. These are the things, this is what it is. Uh, and then they can make their own decision on whether they think for themselves if it's good or not. But like that, that review have, in my opinion, has so much significance. Um, I think about like restaurant reviews could be the difference between you going home, you know, with a full stomach and sleepy and satisfied or waking up the next morning with food poisoning. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that's how important reviews are. Um, so, yeah. True. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, <clears throat> how long does it take for you to put your 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 review videos together of you know just on average how, how much time do you spend doing it as you said before recording is so much harder than just live streaming and get oh on. yeah how long do you spend really on a normal basis so um so there i i've i think i've used a, a different way of presenting those add-ons there was a first look video normally where i state no score and i don't give the aircraft any uh, you know, seal of approval and think, oh, maybe I've done it. Uh, I haven't been very consistent in 
in what I do in the first look versus a review. But normally I spend a good, uh, let's say, a, a good week looking at the aircraft, flying it. Uh, I, I don't do as much scenery uh, reviews anymore, but I use them. So the sceneries I recommend, I use them in my streams and then say that this is a good scenery to have. Uh, but I spent about a week looking at the aircrafts, uh, figuring out, you know, all the features. Uh, I look at the documentation, see how easy it is for someone who is an average flight simmer to follow the instructions provided in, in the manuals. And in, in most cases, I look for, when, when it, for, for example, I'll give you, for the documentation aspect to get the full marks, a tutorial has to be there. So the developer has to provide one, at least one full tutorial that helps the average flight simmer to start operate the aircraft from cold and dark all the way to the landing. And if that is missing, I don't care uh, how good the pilot operating handbook is, or if it's 500 pages or a thousand pages of, you know, of data in there. I mean, if, if the, if somebody who, buys actually spends his hard-earned money on an add-on he better be able to you know use it and and enjoy it and if it, it, he has to be able to do this without referring to the qa pilot channel or to blue channel or xp channel right he should be able to just open the manual and read for about 15 to 30 minutes and be able to start using the aircraft uh, I understand some aircraft are more complex than others, and you need to, you know, there's a learning curve, and you need to probably spend more time, but that's okay, as long as there's at least one full tutorial from cold and dark all the way to shut down at the gate at, at the destination. That is an absolute must, for example, for documentation to get the full marks from QA Pilot. And I, I've seen this, by the way, in some of the, uh, so very few air, very few um, add-ons have received the full marks on documentation. Uh, most of them don't. But the way I do it is that uh, I, I average all the scores. So I look at the 3D modeling, uh, of course, the texturing, uh, and then I look at the authenticity of the actual model uh, in comparison to the real-world counterpart. And then I start looking at the depth of the system simulation, how accurately they are based on real-world videos. So I go and actually watch videos of real aircraft, uh, of how they are set up. Uh, if the systems match, I look at some of the screens to see if they are modeled or not. I look at the documentation, and then, of course, I take it for a flight to see how it all is glued up together. And I give the marks based on, uh, I have an Excel sheet, and that Excel sheet has the different criteria that I use. There's a check here, check here, well, how good it is. And I sign them scores. And then finally, I'll have the, you know, a final score, which I then add them all up, divide them by the number of items and get the average. And that's how I declare the final score, 9, 8, uh, or 10 out of 10 or something like that. Normally, the 10 out of 10, I will tell you right now, there is a little bit of subjectivity there. Because no matter what you do, you can't give everything a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, but I think when I get really impressed with the fidelity of an add-on, and that's when it gets to like a 9.5, 9.6. If it's above 9.5, I will push it 
two or ten and and give it the platinum plaque because I think the developer really deserves the credit there for the hard work that they've done. And I don't really want to, you know, uh, disappoint them in in everything that they've done to put this add-on out to the market. Uh, but most of the time, nothing gets the 10 out of 10. Um, that's normally, it takes about a week to sort of, you know, rate the aircraft or rate the add-on. And then it takes me the weekend. Uh, so normally on Friday morning is when I start recording the video. On a Saturday morning, I do all the editing uh, using my uh, you know video editing software. And I normally schedule it for the same Saturday night uh, to go live. Uh, that's of course, if I'm doing a recorded video. The same process pretty much is followed for a live review. But then, you know, I would stream it uh, on that Saturday night at uh, 9 p.m. Kuwait time. Nice. Uh, I was going to say, because I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much work you put in. Oh, I think you just spelled it out right there. But how much work you actually put into these reviews. And I, I extremely respect that. And that's what leads me to my next question, which is actually a, a soft spot for me. Uh, because I, I'm passionate about this. I'm not, I'm not going to say much about on the subject. Um, but the question is, how, so how do you, so here's the reason I haven't been doing a lot of reviews lately. For one, I can't keep up. Things have been releasing so fast um, that I have like this long queue of things that I would like to review. But then, and this is just, I'm just being honest with you guys, everybody in the chat, I'll see, and I can put any names out there, and no offense to any of these people, but I'll see other streamers and, and YouTubers post a video on day one saying, reviewing such and such plane. And obviously everybody goes and watches that, and it's, you know I me, mean? and it's literally their first look. So how do you feel about first look versus review videos and again we're not putting anybody under the bus or calling anybody out i'm just for me personally it's like i put like just like how you said it takes about a, a week you know maybe two weeks to really kind of completely go through with the review through I mean, you gotta actually fly you gotta actually learn the plane you know kind of educate yourself on the aircraft uh, i do a very similar thing when it comes to me doing reviews and that's why it takes me so long um and then the editing you know that's all before editing um but then you see somebody else come out and just hit record and you know it's like 30 minutes long and they're like all right guys first time you know looking at this plane but then they title it review <laughs> you know and i'm like yeah uh, yeah so like what's the point um, <laughs> i'll tell i'll be very honest with you blue uh, i've been also guilty maybe of this uh, sometimes where you know i don't spend sufficient time and i called the review i maybe done it once or twice so i am guilty of that uh, i've done it uh, a few times and yeah, it, it's unfair to do it uh, for one. Uh, so I don't think it, it it is fair to call it a review unless you've spent at least a week uh, understanding the aircraft. Uh, a first look video is okay. Yeah. But I think if you look at most content creators, what they do is they want views and they know that, oh, let me just get that add on and let me just make this video as soon as possible, then I'll get so many views. Because if, you know, if, for example, um, you know, Blue Games posts and XP posts, then, you know, I'm probably not going to get as much views. So I got to take precedence here. I got to put my video as soon as possible and get as much views as possible. 
and and I understand that, of course, for newer content creators uh, who are looking for you know um, growth, uh, growing their <laughs> subscriber base and views. I I understand it, um, but I think it does a lot of injustice to the developers who worked so hard for maybe years uh, on those on those add-ons, and it's just really unfair. Having said this. Um, there are certain add-ons that are just not worth the review. Yeah, so uh, I know on my Discord channel there there is a channel that you know asks people to <laughs> uh, you know give suggestions for reviews. What do you want me to review, guys? And some of them they go and say, well, how about you review this aircraft? And I go and purchase the aircraft just to you know fulfill the review. And then I say, you know, this aircraft is really not worth the time. <laughs> and if wow. and if I put it on and on the channel, I'm just going to state my opinion like I normally do. And it's, you know, the developer is going to feel so demotivated. He's probably going to hate me for it. So, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want to, you know, hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to demotivate anyone working in this community. It's very important for me to not demotivate anyone, even if it's a crappy add-on. I don't want to demotivate them. Maybe one day he will actually, you know, get, you know, a, a skill or he's going to develop more experience and do something better. But if I put that add on and I just completely bring it down, he's probably going to lose all interest in doing anything in the future. And I have seen this happen with uh, there. I think there was a, a an MD-80 uh, a group of guys were working on it and yeah. they got, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So man, I would not be able to sleep at night if I did this to someone. So mm. I'm very careful when I know the add-on is not going to cut it. Or if I don't have anything good to say about it, I would just simply not review it. So anything that actually doesn't make it to the channel, it's probably not worth buying. But when there is something I think that has potential uh, for example, uh, one of the aircraft was the Magnite 787. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've, I've criticized it a lot, uh, and they've made a lot of progress uh, from, from that point. And I've reviewed, I think, two versions of the aircraft. Uh, but I think that aircraft still, until this day, I believe it has potential. Is it up to the mark? Is it worth its money? I still think it's not. And I'm very honest with people. But a lot of people actually enjoyed it. And it's got some positive points. It is definitely being updated. There is a development team and a project team that works, and they perceive my highest commendation for their commitment and their tenacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they... calling something a review when it's a first look is just great injustice to the person that developed the add-on. Yeah, more I, more power to you guys for actually doing actual reviews of airplanes and sceneries because I can't. I started out trying to make a video of flying and it was so tedious. My audio didn't work. I recorded the wrong section. I was like, you know what? A live stream. YouTube would, would record it and play it back. <laughs> That's how I cut it to streaming. <laughs> you know. So the work that you guys put in, I mean, you're talking about a minimum a week on each of these sceneries and airplanes for you to review. It's good stuff. I mean... That's why they're so popular. I don't think actually you are the only one now. I think actually gives a rating. I don't think anybody else gives a rating here. I know? used to, but I also haven't done reviews in like a year. Right, <laughs> right. Oh wow! I, 
yeah, you came up when there was um, Thomas Rasmussen and jeez, um, um, he just quit simming as well. Um, I used to watch him Frugal. as well. Frugal sim. There oh, you yeah. go. Those two. You, so you three were the three people. So you've stuck around. You're you're in it, and it looks like you're not going anywhere, are you? This is it. Um, yeah. So look, I think it's. Uh, you know, I, you know, when I got the the invite for this stream, the first thing that came to mind, I said, I wish, you know, people like Frugalsim, uh, Thomas Rasmussen, Castrator, were still around and still, you know, simming and still giving, yeah. you know, providing content. Uh, Matt Davis, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I think those guys were my inspiration uh, mm -hmm. when I when I started. Uh, and I learned a lot from these guys. Uh, mainly, maybe Matt Davis was was a great inspiration to me, and he actually got me on flight simming. Wow! Uh, although I've never hold on, let me cut you for yeah. a second. I literally just showed my wife Matt Davis. She goes, "Who is that?" I'm like, "That's Matt. That's Matt Bellins. That's Matt Davis." I used to watch him, and I get a lot of my mannerisms from him <laughs> because I used to watch him all the time. Anyway, go ahead. Just wanted to say. Yeah. That. So, uh, so Matt is is was the initial inspiration uh, for me starting with the uh, flight simming and uh, frugal sim castrator. Thomas and I were actually very good friends, and we've, we've done a lot of collaborations together. Uh, and so I miss these people. I, I miss having them in the, you know, in in the flight sim community. Um, yeah, I, I, they leave such a void. Uh, yeah. In yeah, in in the community, and and so, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to see them. You know, it's hard to see those guys go. And as you know, um, you know, I've left the flight sim community for a period of three months or so. And um, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Know, I, I was saving that. Yeah, <laughs> I I wasn't actually planning on coming back. I was really enjoying my time with the family. Uh, I, I have a you know a family of, of four children, uh, wow. so I was really spending uh, more time with them and having fun and going out and doing things that I like to do. Uh, but I always, in the back of my head, you know, I just aviation is something I love. It's my passion, and I got uh, a lot of comments and from from people that were in the community such as uh flight deck to sim v1 simulations magnus the ceo of threshold um and and probably the most touching conversation was was with magnus from uh, from threshold and he really talked me back into you know he said just you know take your time come back uh stay try to stay away from social media uh, because it was really pissing me off at the time. Wow. And I, 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 one of the things I used to do is I was very patient with people, even people that were, you know, you know, that they would rage personal attacks on me, on my person. Hmm. Um, I was very patient with them and I just responded with, I was very calm in, in my responses and, and very cordial in, in my responses to them. And uh, during that time, when I left uh, left flight simming, uh, I know I, I still received comments on some of my videos, and some were really nasty comments. Wow. And so I found myself actually going back. So I used to get like 20 or 30 positive comments. 
I would not respond to any of those. And then I would go to that one bad comment and just like spill my anger on that. <laughs> wow. And uh, I think I had to come with, to terms with that. And I had to work on that. And I did exactly what I was advised. I heeded the advice uh, from Magnus. And I said, you know what? I'm just not going to look at any of the comment section. I'm not going to look at my Facebook, Instagram, nothing. I'm just not. I'm just going to create content. I'm going to put up the video and whatever people want to say, let them say. And um, and that just slowly brought me back into it. Uh, obviously, I, I love the, the hobby. Uh, and, and that brought me back again. And uh, am I not going? I mean, look, um, as long as I feel that I am putting up value, as long as I feel that people are learning something from the channel, I will continue to deliver content. The minute I feel that you know, I'm not really providing, you know, sufficient insight or sufficient useful content, then I would quit for sure. I mean, I'm not just going to be there for the sake of, you know, I'm not in it for the money, by the way. I'm not in it for, it's not a full-time job. It's just a hobby. And uh, my personal reward from doing this, you know, content on YouTube is really to help people out. If I'm successful in doing that, I will continue to do it. If I provide no or little value, you know, in, in comparison to the effort, then there is no point in doing it. I hope I answered your question. No, yeah, you, you actually you did. did so. <laughs> you did because we did. know that you didn't take a break. And of course, let me tell you, the trolls will always be there. Yeah. And you know, I actually feel bad for them now because if that's what their life is about. Poor them, you know what I mean? There's yeah, so much of a world outside of simming that you have that people don't even know about, right? So they think this is going to make or break you. But I think the reward for you is seeing people show up in your live streams, have watched your lives in the background, and your audience is there. And they always come back when you go live, which is, for us, is satisfying as streamers, you know? So I think that's a reward for you, definitely. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. a bit more encouragement going your way, and even to XP and for anybody out there who's live streaming or making content, is that uh, you're playing a much bigger role. I mean, yes, it's all a hobby. We all love aviation. We love flight simming. Whether you're making live streams or YouTube tutorials, uh, we're playing a much bigger role in the aviation community, we think. And what that is, is that, again, when someone watches a tutorial, they're learning how to fly a plane or to do a certain thing for their flight sim. What we don't realize is that same person who's watching your tutorial on how to fly a Boeing 737 and Zebo may also, this may also be like their avenue of starting their actual aviation career, right? It, it, they're, they're young, maybe they're 13, 10, 12, 15, whatever, maybe even 30, right? And they're getting into aviation, you know, and you're helping them understand what's a star how do you read a chart you know stuff like that and that all will eventually progress and stay with them they'll become a pilot of a 747 and still remember they watched a q8 you know video you know way back eight years ago on how to do this thing and it's like we're playing much a bigger role and the thing is we're not always gonna see uh, as we say the fruits of our labor right like we we put a lot of work in to to try to help the community and try to give them value uh which we you know as long as they like, i feel like it's impossible for you q8 
to not give value like if as long as you just do what you've oh, been doing you so much even if you only do one video per week like that video that you do like your live reviews or pre-recorded reviews or live stream like you're always like your goal you know and i can tell is that your goal is always within that stream within that video to help people understand this thing that you're creating right or you're, you're using this aircraft uh and so as long as you're doing that you're adding value to people period like it's it's never like unless you get out there and just start talking about some st random stupid stuff <laughs> you know what i mean which you wouldn't do because <laughs> out of character for you right like right. It, you're always gonna be adding value and it doesn't matter if you were to step away from youtube for an entire 12 months you would still be getting comments uh, notifications on your phone from yep. the past year because oh, yeah. of the type of videos you've made and those add-ons are still there even if you leave Oh, yeah. And don't forget, you know, with you and your videos, <clears throat> it's like, I rather, you know how the promo videos come out of whatever add-on scenery or airport or, or plane? I just go watch your videos because you'll get to the nitty-gritty of what I really want to see. <laughs> Not the eye candy shots that they choose to show you in the 30-second promo. I'm like, let me go see what QA did say about this plane. You carry a lot. Your, your reviews carry a lot of weight. Not to put weight on your shoulders, but it does carry a lot of weight. <laughs> well, thank but, you very much for yeah, that. Appreciate definitely. it. And look at that. We're coming up on two hours already. We said one hour, right? Yeah, we did. It's <laughs> oh, just wow. 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. man. But, uh, oh, yeah. I'm glad I'll you went into... You, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'll share with you a, a small story that I think was a very rewarding story for myself. Uh, many years ago... There was a, I received an email from, I think it was a, a young, a young girl. I think she was 14 or maybe 15 at the time. And the email was very brief. She said, can you please buy for me um, Active Sky P, for P3D? And I was first, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and when I, I replied to the email, I said, uh, let me help you buy it. Maybe she's unable to buy it. She said, no, no, no. Uh, I, I went to the sim market store, but I don't have the money to buy it, and I want to become a pilot. And I was, mm -hmm. you know, I right then and there, I felt that this person really needed help. And so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't resist, but I felt it was my own daughter. And I went because that's, you know, the age of my, you know, my daughters. Wow. So I went to the sim market, you know, I got a gift certificate. I sent it over to her. I said, this is sufficient for you to go and buy Active Sky. And uh, this was many, many years ago. And she actually sent me an email just uh, last week. And she told me, do you remember me? Uh, my name is so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, about five years ago, I asked you to buy for me Active Sky for P3D. And I remembered that I've done this. I just couldn't remember the name. And she said, I just wanted to let you know that you have inspired me to become a real world pilot. And when I got P3D, uh, the Active Sky for P3D, I was really learning how to fly aircraft in certain weather. And I'm today a certified PPL and I'm going for my type rating for, air, for an Airbus A320. And I just wanted to say thank you. And she actually sent me a gift certificate at the Sim Market Store for an equal amount. So she was returning the favor wow. that I've done some five, six years ago. To me, um, I was tearful, quite My honestly. Uh, I felt that she was so genuine of a person to actually remember 
you know, who has helped her five years ago. And she came back to return the favor to tell me that she's become a pilot. To me, that was very rewarding, guys. Really, I it's, felt over wow. the moon. Wow. And she gave me the gift certificate for the same <laughs> amount, which was amazing. So, um, so I, I, I wrote her back and I, I wish her all the best. And uh, this, I think, is the kind of stuff, the, you know, the, the moments in this hobby that has really made the difference for me. It really made me going. And there are other, uh, you know, pilots today who become real world pilots based on, you know, inspirations that I've given them many years ago. And for this, folks, I am very grateful. I'm very thankful to the entire community for the support they provided and really for those golden moments that really, I think, makes the experience just worth it. Hey, so wow. I got something in my eye. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> something in my eye. Wow. Now, look, that is a that's a tremendous story, man. And I, I think us being, just on a bigger note, us being on the internet and having a face on the internet, even if it's a small community like the Flyzimmon community, you never know who's watching in the background and paying attention. So do 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 the best you can. Do what you can. Because Absolutely. you never know who you're going to inspire. Ladies and gentlemen, Kuwait pilot, Chase. Wow. The legend. The, <laughs> the that, that, legend. I think we need to, I don't have any more questions. That was a perfect story. That wow. that inspired me, bro. Like that, we yeah. just, yeah, wow. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Kuwait. No, seriously, this, is, this has been great, man. This has been absolutely great. You know, um, I know it's, it's been challenging time schedules, you know, availability, so forth, but we absolutely appreciate you coming on on the show and you know it's one of these episodes where every time you're speaking i'm just sitting back listening and not even interrupting you know and i like to talk so this is this is very good <laughs> yeah you do it's wow. been my absolute pleasure it's been really fun uh you guys are great fun really i really enjoyed being here it's been great really thank you so much for having me definitely shout out to mr Dougal mctavish you know who you are <laughs> that's it <laughs> wow what's what's next for you um q8 what's coming up for you well um i think what i want to focus on uh is the variety of content uh so i do want to create content for all three sims p3d uh explain and microsoft flight simulator i think i want to spend some time and start doing the um you know, the videos that the community likes the most, top five add-ons for this sim, for that sim. Uh, that is something I haven't done in a while. So I want to do a little bit more of that. And I also want to do uh, shorter tutorials, shorter, but maybe detailed, but short tutorials uh, on the uh, on the recently released, you know, high fidelity study level aircraft, such as the Fly JSIM, the Hot Start 650, um, so that's something I think people, this is what people used to come to the channel for, and they still do. Uh, so that's, I think, where my focus is going to be in the upcoming period. Uh, I can't wait for X-Plane 12 to release, mm -hmm. and I can't wait for the 737 MAX. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You teasing us with that Max, the more, man. All right. The more, the more, the merrier, man. The, yeah. That comes out. We're gonna be flying that a lot as well. So the more, the merrier when it comes to the Max that's coming out. Wow, wow. wow that's all I gotta say. Blue, <sighs> what's up next for you, man? What's up, man? Nothing, bro. I'm ready to end this show. 
Yeah, you streaming this uh, week. You're I am. Um, I'm, I'm planning on streaming tomorrow. Uh, I'm just coming back from a break. I took a, a week off um, for personal. You know, I usually step right. back for a week towards the beginning of the year. So I did that. It was definitely worth it. And um, I took the rest of the week off from streaming to kind of gather some things, working on some video content. But yeah, I'll be streaming tomorrow at, uh, was I think it's 15 or 1600 Zulu. I, the timing changes and I always forget. But that's the plan. Um, what about you, man? That's it. I just stream, man. No videos in the works. I'm so happy because the work that you guys put in, you and Kuwait put in these video work that I, you're, you guys editing skills and just presentation I can't even do. So I just stream. I'm streaming tomorrow and I probably stream Saturday an event early and that's it. Off for the weekend. But it's been real. I appreciate the community. I appreciate you guys watching the Blue Experience. I appreciate you guys. By the way, hit the subscribe button for Q8 Pilot. Q8 Pilot. Q, the number 8 P-I-L-O-T on YouTube. You have to subscribe if you're not. Subscribe to Q8 Pilot, please. And he also live streams as well. Watch his tutorials, watch his videos. You need anything answered and explain P3D and, and uh, Microsoft Flight Sim. Definitely, definitely check out Also, Q8, so. he has a really dope website. Check out his web. Oh. I checked your website out the other day, bro. I was like, man, this is nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, check it out his website. It still needs work, but yeah, it's all right. <laughs> nice, nice. Step up the game. But that's it. That's it. As Blue always says, what do you always say, Blue? Remember, you have three choices. Give up, give in, or give it all. You got peace, love, and God bless you. We will see you guys next time on the Blue Experience. And make sure you check it out on Spotify. All 21 episodes so far will be on Spotify. So check it out. Can you believe 21 episodes so far? And uh, great to have it with the Legend Q8. Man, I'm just so honored. And thank you, man, again for coming out and hanging with us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you very much, kids. See you later. All right, guys. We out. See ya. Nice. Wow. That was two hours exactly. (laughs) One fifty-nine. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yes, it was. Wait, very, very, very good interview, man. I loved it. Every minute of it was riveting. You know, and I really enjoyed every minute. I didn't feel the time, quite honestly. I, I was I was very sleepy when uh, when we started, but then very quickly I just got energized and.